Good morning. Jonathan, A plus, man. I tell you, I was looking at those names and thinking, who's up this week? <laughs> ah, well done. Well done. Happy Independence Day. You know, I, I like to ask people on the 4th of July, what holiday are we celebrating today? And they say, the 4th of July. No, it's Independence Day. And uh, we, as followers of Christ, can celebrate the freedom that he has won for us over sin and death. And uh, that is our true independence. So let's, uh, let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this day that we can gather together to worship you because you are worthy. You have done for us in Christ what we could not do for ourselves. You have made a way for relationship with you. You have uh, taken the sin problem out of the equation by placing it all on the Lord Jesus. And as we put our trust in him, his sinlessness covers us. We are grateful, Father. And so as we consider uh, this passage of scripture today, I pray that you would speak to us, let us be eager to hear from you, and I pray that um, what we do here in these next minutes would make a difference um, in our day, in our week, in, uh, in the life of this church. Uh, we trust in you, your word is, is powerful, sharper than a double-edged sword, and your Holy Spirit can impart it to our hearts and our lives. Please do that now, in Jesus' name, amen. We have some friends with us this morning. We, we have had some friends with us uh, over a number of Sundays, and uh, one of the things that our friends almost always comment on is how young this church is. Uh, they're just amazed at, at how young this church is, just amazed at how many small children that they see around themselves. And <clears throat> maybe, maybe they're surprised by that because children are all in other places in the churches that they're coming from. But what it tells me is this church is full of Timothys, full of, of young people who are impressionable and in need of encouragement and full of potential, full of Timothys. The future leaders of this church are growing up among us right now. Tremendous opportunity for us. And Paul's instruction to Timothy here at the end of chapter four tells us how we can minister to the Timothys among us. He talks first about what we can help them to do, and then he goes on to talk about uh, what we can help them to watch, and then he talks about how we can help them to stay at it. So let's take a look at those three things uh, in turn. First, we want to look at what we can teach them to do, looking at verses 12 to 14. And what we find here is that as we teach them what to do, it's more than just handing them some instructions. It's modeling a life for them. If they don't see it in our lives first, they won't be inclined to follow it for themselves. And so we begin by doing these things ourselves, and Paul enumerates three of them in this passage, three things that we can teach them to do by, first of all, doing ourselves. 
And the first is set an example, verse 12. Set an example, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Set an example. We can do that and we can teach the Timothys in our lives to do that. And the five things that Paul says we can set an example of are really building blocks of character. They are building blocks of Christ-like character. Someone who is encouraged to do these things, to, to be exemplary in space, speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, is well on his way to to excelling at the character test of church leaders that we looked at in chapter three. When we teach them to, to plug these things into their lives, we are helping them develop godly character that will serve them well as they grow into becoming the leaders of this church in days to come. Help a young Timothy to do well in these things and he will be an excellent future leader in God's church. We need to be sure we are doing these things ourselves though. We need to be an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. How are we doing at that ourselves? How's your speech? Uh, uh, the use of the tongue gets a lot of people in trouble. It's real easy to do. Uh, how is your speech? You may say, well, it's okay, I, I haven't, messed up much lately. There's a difference between that and being exemplary. We're not talking about just, just getting by. We're not talking about just adopting the culture's standards. We're talking about building Christ-like character. And so Paul tells Timothy, let your speech be exemplary. How's your speech? Let your conduct be exemplary. How's your conduct? Well, I haven't blown up at anybody. No, no, it goes beyond that. It's Christ-like character we want to demonstrate. How's your love for one another? How is your faith? Are you growing continually in your faith? How is the purity of your life? These things are building blocks of Christ-like character that we can plug into our lives and encourage the Timothys around us to do the same. The goal is not just passable behavior in those categories, but excellence in those categories. If you want to develop a Timothy, get him or her to see that they can be an example in those things. They really can. Any age, they can be an example. Some of you have very small, very young children. Some of you have preteens. Some of you have teens. Some of you have grown children. We can encourage them all to be examples right where they are. They don't need to wait for something else to happen in their lives. They can be examples in those areas right now. At any age, they can make a difference in the people around them if they'll do that. It will develop them in godly character. It will challenge those around them. Set an example. Second thing Paul says we can teach them to do is to bring the word. Bring the word, verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Bring the word. 
Bring the word to people. Bring people to the word. The practice of the early church was to read in the public services from two sources. They would read from the Old Testament and they would read from the writings of the apostles. If you look at Colossians chapter 4, verse 16, uh, Paul challenges the Colossians to have that letter read to the Laodiceans. They would circulate the writings of the apostles. If you look at 1 Thessalonians 5.27, Paul encourages them in the reading of these letters. Justin Martyr wrote just at the close of the first century, on the day called Sunday, all who live in cities or in the country gather together to one place and the memoirs of the apostles and the writings of the prophets are read as long as time permits. Then, when the reader has finished, the president speaks, instructing and exhorting the people to imitate these good things. The writings of the apostles and the writings of the prophets, and then someone encourages them to put those things into practice in their lives. Reading of God's word, exhortation, and teaching. To quote verse 13. This looks to me like an early definition of expository preaching. Read, encourage, teach. Make God's word central. We saw in our reading in Nehemiah this morning that Ezra read the book of the law and the Levites, with all of their difficult names, helped people understand the reading. It's God's word that needs to be central. But it's not just in preaching. We need to bring the word in all of life. We can all bring the word. It's where we go for answers. These are things we can all do, especially as we seek to develop the Timothys around us. Show them how you make God's word central. Set an example and bring the word. The third thing Paul tells Timothy is use your gift. Use your gift. This is one of those things we can teach the Timothys in our lives to do as well. Verse 14, do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Use your gift. In other words, serve. Serve. You know, we're never told in scripture that we have to discover what our spiritual gift is. There is no thou shalt discover thy spiritual gift anywhere in Scripture. What we find a lot of in Scripture is the encouragement to serve. You say, well, how, how do I serve if I don't know what my gift is? I, I need a spiritual gift inventory. Can you picture Timothy saying that to Paul? They didn't have any. You learn what your gift is by serving. Amen. And, and you may think it's something and you start serving there and you find that maybe that's not the best fit and someone directs you to another, but start serving. You will discover your gift along the way. It is service and not just church attendance that makes the difference in children growing up to know and love the Lord. I read an article recently that listed some common practices among families whose children have grown into godly adults. You want to know what the top three were? You can probably guess them, right? 
Number one, Bible reading in the home. Bible reading in the home. Number two, prayer in the home. Number three, you might say church attendance, right? It's not. It's church service. It's service in the church. It's not just sitting in a chair. It's serving in a church. If you want to develop a Timothy, get him or her serving in the church. I was 10 years old when somebody invited me to help him on the soundboard in a big downtown church. Uh, we had those reel-to-reel things going on, and uh, he helped me set that up so we could record the service. I, I learned to help him. And then one Sunday came, and he wasn't there. I don't know if he got stuck in traffic or what, but he wasn't there. And I thought, what do I do? I, I ran to the office looking for a blank reel and uh, found something and ran it back up and set it up there. I'm 10 years old. This is a church with a radio program, you know? And, and I, I set the thing up. He came in, eventually tweaked a few knobs, and we were fine. But this was someone who invested in a young Timothy who was 10 years old. Made a difference. I still remember it 20 years later now. <laughs> In developing the Timothys around us, we can teach them what to do. Set an example, bring the word, use your gift. We need to teach them what to do. We also need to teach them, Paul says, what to watch. Look at verse 16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. The NIV says, Watch closely your life and your doctrine. Those two things, life and doctrine. Either one of those can tube your effectiveness for the Lord in a flash. Keep watch, keep close watch on your life and doctrine. A few years ago, there were two churches that were catching national attention, each one of them named Mars Hill. One of them was in Seattle, the other was in Grand Rapids. They weren't associated with one another or with any denomination. Both grew to mega church status, both crashed significantly. The one in Seattle crashed because the pastor didn't watch his life closely. The one in Grand Rapids crashed because the pastor didn't watch his doctrine closely. We need to carefully watch them both. Watch your life. Watch your life, Paul says. I think about the scandals in the church world, the damage that has been done to the cause of Christ because people didn't watch their life. Satan has taken some really capable people out because they fell to his schemes, they fell to the unholy trinity of money, sex, and power, and more than that, the damage it caused in their churches. Churches have been devastated. And the discredit it has caused toward the cause of Christ in the secular culture. It's devastating. 
Watch your life closely and watch your doctrine closely as well. We stand on the word of God. It is our final authority in all of life. Article two of the Evangelical Free Church Statement of Faith says this, we believe that God has spoken in the scriptures, both Old and New Testaments, through the words of human authors. As the verbally inspired word of God, the Bible is without error in the original writings, the complete revelation of his will for salvation, and the ultimate authority by which every realm of human knowledge and endeavor should be judged. Therefore, it is to be believed in all that it teaches, obeyed in all that it requires, and trusted in all that it promises. Good word. If you read the history of the free church movement, you'll find that one of the early rallying cries of the evangelical free church was, where stands it written? Where stands it written? In other words, show me in scripture. You tell me something is so, I want chapter and verse on that. I want to see where it's written in scripture. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. It's hard to do that alone. You know that? It's hard to do that alone. We need accountability. The thing that makes me nervous about some of these mega churches is their lack of accountability. What happens if the pastor runs off the rails? Well, we got elders. What happens if the elders run off the rails? I don't know. Uh, There's a lack of accountability. But on a personal level as well, we need accountability. We each need people in our lives that we can trust, people that we can confide in, people who love us enough to shoot straight with us and tell us the truth about what they're seeing in our lives. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. And then the third word that Paul gives us is stay at it. Stay at it. Teach these young Timothys what to do. Teach them what to watch, but teach them to stay at it. Verse 15 and verse 16. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. You hear the imperatives? Practice, immerse, persist. Shampoo bottle says, lather, rinse, repeat. Paul says, practice, immerse, persist. Practice and immerse yourself in these things. Persist in this. It requires vigilance to do these things. It takes focus and effort to do these things. It's a carryover from last week where Paul told Timothy to to go to the gym and work out. Go to the gymnasium of godliness and work out there. Train yourself for godliness. Agonize, work at it. It's worth it. And the goal is not that people will see perfection in us, but that they will see progress in us. Look at um, verse 15. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. 
progress. Progress is one thing that we will never outgrow the need for and never outgrow the ability to achieve. We should always be making progress in these things. Keep growing. Keep making progress in your walk of faith. Are you further along today than you were a year ago? And would the people around you agree? The progress is evidence of salvation. We don't save ourselves, but our lives show evidence of God at work. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. We will continue in the faith. The legendary cellist Pablo Casals continued to practice his cello four or five hours a day into his 90s. Somebody asked him why. And his answer, because I think I'm making progress. Progress. We need to have the same attitude toward growing in godliness. Howard Hendricks was a legendary professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. And he was speaking once before a packed auditorium full of intervarsity workers, uh, the brightest and the best from our college campuses, intervarsity workers. And, and to this packed auditorium, he, he looked out over them and he said, I'm not impressed. I want to come back here in 30 years and find you still at it. And then I'll be impressed. It's persistence that counts. Stay at it. Teach the Timothys in your life what to do and what to watch and how to stay at it. My lifelong ambition was to become a veterinarian. But during my high school years, my youth minister saw something else in me, and he encouraged me along that line, gave me opportunities for ministry, even hired me one summer as an intern. And by the end of that summer, I was beginning to feel that God might be calling me into the pastoral ministry. Not that being a veterinarian is a bad thing. We need godly veterinarians, just like we need godly people in every vocation. But I have learned that that isn't what God wired me for. He wired me for something else. And it took people who were willing to step up and invest themselves in my life and point some things out to me to help me see it. And then during the, that same time frame, the mother of a dear friend died, and I went to the funeral and sat with my youth group in the balcony, all of us sitting there crying through this funeral, while the pastor conducted it with great calm and composure. And I sat there and watched him, and I said, I'll never be in the ministry. I can't do that. You've seen me in action enough <laughs> to know that. I cry at funerals. I cry at weddings. I cry in sermons. 
Every time it happens, I hate it. Absolutely hate it. But somehow God uses it. And the thing that I saw as my biggest hindrance turns out to be something it seems God can use. It's like Paul's thorn in the flesh. God, take it away from me, please. No, not going to do that. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And God has used that to humble me, to cause me to cling to him and depend on him and to show his strength in my weakness. I am thankful for people who have stepped up to encourage this young Timothy when he didn't think he had what it took. And we can do that for the young Timothys in our own lives. Who are they? Who are the young Timothys in your life? We've got bunches of them here. The ministry model of this church challenges us to come alongside them, to teach them what to do, to teach them what to watch, to teach them how to stay at it. Dawson Trotman was the founder of The Navigators, a parachurch ministry that focuses on disciple making. And he used to ask, who's your man? Who's your man? Who is it that you are pouring yourself into? Who is it that you are investing in? And this morning I would ask you, who's your Timothy? Who is it? Who is the young person that God has brought into your life that you can make a difference for? Pour into him. Pour into her. Teach him what to do. Teach him what to watch. Teach him how to stay at it. It's a tremendous opportunity. And the future of this church depends on it. You will find some questions for further thought in the insert in your program. I hope you'll make use of that this week, perhaps around the dinner table or in a small group setting. Would you pray with me? Father, I, I thank you for the people who have invested in our lives to challenge us, to encourage us, to shape us. Help us, Father, to see the Timothys around us and to do that for them, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.